This is the RSM Orthopedic Section Podcast. We feature global experts and key opinion leaders discussing innovation, progress, and current practice within their subspecialties. My name is Akib Khan, and I'm an orthopedic registrar on the Section Council, and I'll be your host on this podcast. Welcome. I'm really excited today to be joined by Professor Cecilia Rogmark, who is an orthopedic professor in Lund University in Sweden with a research interest in clinical orthopedic research. She is the national project leader for the Swedish Hip Arthroplasty Register and has been widely published and cited within the field. We're really grateful to have you here. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. And I'm very honored for this invitation and and look forward to have a nice conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. So you've delivered a really interesting talk at our recent HIP symposium. And your talk was around younger patients who have uh, hip fractures and also talking about uh, pathological bone and this whole concept of us moving away from the idea of using high energy fracture as a terminology. And what was quite surprising to me was that actually in some of these patients who had fractures, osteopenia was present. And I think it was 58% of younger adults with fractured neck of femurs. And that was, that was quite shocking to me. So my first question for you is, does this really redefine the meaning of high energy? Um, as we previously assumed that the majority of younger patients would have fractures due to high energy injuries. Yeah, I think that the person walking out in the street, uh, being hit by a car or taking an electric scooter are not knowing that his or her skeleton are fragile. It's nothing that is known to the person. So we behave as we feel healthy and young and active. And then if you are very strong in your bones, you can have a major blow and maybe not get a fracture, but suffering a fracture is, is, is a sign of some frailty. Yeah, and it's, it's quite interesting because the number of patients who are having fractures at a younger age is actually something which seems to be increasing. Is that a fair statement to make? I'm actually not sure. We would like to see that happen because we are annoyed by young people sitting by their computers. I'm not sure that anyone had had proven, proven that yet, but let's wait and see. Sure. So let's, let's talk about the features. Let's say the features of a typical male patient who may have a low bone uh, mineral density, what what are those features? Uh, We we started to study because we thought that we could pinpoint such a person, but we found out that they are are looking like you or other strong young males. And and there were actually very few having like uh, gastro problems or being on cortisone. The major feature were the common diseases like diabetes, it was 10%. 10% had some sort of psychiatric problems. 10% had a neurological disease. Uh, So yes, those were common, but otherwise it was like everyday people. For example, we thought that we would find individuals with uh, celiac disease, because we know that they are more prone to develop osteoporosis, but they were not, they were just one, I think. 
So that's quite interesting. So aside from, I guess, the medical history in terms of environmental and lifestyle factors behind low mineral density, did you find anything in terms of smoking vitamin D or anything like that that was associated? No, we we found, like other studies have found, that there were more smokers, more drinkers, and more drug users in this cohort, but they were not that frequent. If you ask an old orthopedic surgeon like myself, 10 years ago, I would have said they are all addicts, uh, but it's not true. It was 31% of the male with alcoholic uh, overconsumption and 25% of the women uh, and drug users were like three or 5%. So, so a majority are not having those problems. I think at least in the Scandinavian panorama, I think there are individuals with a hered hereditary low bone mineral density. Uh, I can't really remember the figures for mothers, fathers, siblings with fractures, but they come from a hereditary uh, bad standing, if you can say so in English. Uh, and again, this is a silent phenomenon. And, and you said that it was more than half who had osteopenia. That's right. But there were also 25% uh, who actually had osteoporosis. So only one in eight had a normal bone mineral density. So they are, they are, you, it's better to think that I have a young person with a hip fracture. The chances are so big that he or she will have some problem with bone structure. So I will send everyone to the DEXA scan. Yeah, I understand where you're, where you're coming from. And, and in fact, that was kind of leading into my next question, which is in terms of the implications, in terms of the findings, does this kind of change how we should be approaching these younger patients in terms of fixation strategies? Do we look more to replacing rather than fixing when there's a, a neck of fraction in a younger patient? What, what do you think? Uh, I, can, I can follow your thoughts there, and it's a very good question. Uh, but uh, again, we, we, we may think that osteoporosis will lead to more implant failures. It's not completely proven in the literature. And I think you have to have very, very severe osteoporosis in order to the, for the nails and, and pins to, to fall out of the skeleton. So I think if you are 40, 45, you should have a really, really good reduction. And optimum placement of the implant, and you should have a go at internal fixation. Then it's very important to follow those patients closely. And we're talking of, of course about the displaced femoral necks and, and, and um, be there for them when they need a secondary total hip replacement. And I think that if you inform the patient very thoroughly, immediately that we will try fixation. There might be almost a 50-50 risk of ha having healing problems. They will accept and they will say, okay, you told me so there were a risk or they will heal and be very happy and come back and said, you were wrong surgeon. I healed my fracture. And I will say, I'm as happy as you are. 
That's brilliant. Hopefully that many of them do come back that way. Yeah, um, but, but, but information is a must and honest information. Um, then I think regarding surgical method, we have to be better uh, to determine biological age because a person can be 50 suffering from sequelae after a stroke or pre-dementia. And there you maybe find a hemiotoplasty to be the best choice, trying to determine how long will this patient live and how much will he or she use her hip. Sure, and I, I kind of want to go a little bit further into, in, into that and actually ask you a bit about the HFU60 trial, um, which I've yeah. been quite, quite involved in. And maybe you can talk us a through that trial um, for, for our listeners. So perhaps starting with who was actually included or excluded from, from that yeah. trial. The study is based in Sweden and Denmark, and we have public health care quite similar to the UK, that, that everyone is admitted to a hospital when they have a, an emergency and, and are getting treated in a quite an equal way. So for us, it was important to have a population representative of the general population, because some studies are written from military hospitals or um, major trauma centers, and then you will have a, a, a skewed population. Uh, so th these are four Scandinavian hospitals, and we took every patient between 18 and 60 with a hip fracture, just including those with pathological fractures and, and uh, persons not living in the catchment area. And it's, it's quite interesting. So you was it the case that everybody would have a DEXA scan if they had this sort of fracture, just looking at their bone mineral density? Yeah, and that was that what's new with our study that we actually managed to get DEXA scan with a median of five days after the fracture, because earlier studies have not been that uh, swift in getting the DEXA scan. It could be after a couple of years when you have an inactivity related osteopenia. Sure. And, and in terms of the outcome measures, what were you actually looking for in that trial? We have collected so much outcomes and, and we will look at surgical outcome, patient reported outcome, physical tests, four month, 12 month. We have actually been good friends with our patients. And of course, you will lose some, there will be dropouts related to social problems and so on. But we were amazed that very many did come from for the checkups and we have followed them for two years. So a lot of robust data that's going to be, um, you know, discussed for a while, I'm sure. And what I really liked during your talk was um, you, you gave us a very easy way of, of remembering the results uh, in terms of what you found in the story of thirds. I was hoping you might be able to share that with our listeners, please. Yeah, we, we, we really thought that we could uh, identify groups that one group will look like this and we will do such effort for that one and, and other things for the other group. But yes, one third was healthy. One third had just one comorbidity, partly explaining their risk. And one third were very, very frail and, and biologically aged. Uh, one third had high energy trauma. Uh, one third had medications uh, related to, to osteoporosis. One third had social problems. One third were, like we said, 
uh, abusing something. But the problem was, was that one individual could um, be created by different thirds, so to, so to speak. So you could, you, can, you could have a heavy work, but you can drink a lot of alcohol and live alone and not having any medication. So, so again, we, we are like confused by, but on a higher level because patients have their risk factors, but in the end of the day, they, they are rather normal again. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite interesting. So, so they could actually just be representative of a general population, I guess, having all the yeah. different thirds um, yeah. and not specifically following one pattern of thirds in, in, in one domain. Um, no. Now, but, in but, but, I, sorry, I just would like to say that the common beliefs of the orthopedic surgeon, like I said, they are all addicts, uh, they are all um, driving motorcycles, they are all, um, I don't know, we have different beliefs. Uh, they are at least not osteoporotics. Those ideas are wrong. They, they have poor bone health. They are doing stupid things. But many of us are doing stupid things, not having hip fractures. So, so what's actually the most common feature were their low bone mineral density. Otherwise, they were quite normal, so to, so to speak. And, and Nota Bene, we'd have, we had three men age 45 uh, doing skateboarding. That's quite incredible. <laughs> yeah, and they knew each other, so they 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 started. They made made jokes about starting a club, like uh, old broken bones or something like that. <laughs> I wonder if they went back to skateboarding afterwards. Uh, they 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 they. I think they thought about it, and and you are touching on a very important area: the psychological aspects here, because. When people are thrown off a horse, you say, say to them, go back in the saddle immediately. And, and I have heard so many stories about fear of a new fracture, because we are telling these persons not just that they have a hip fracture, which is an injury for 80-year-old persons, also that they have osteopenia or osteoporosis, and they feel suddenly so old. And, and frail. And I think we have to do much more in the psychological recovery for young patients with fractures. They, they really, they came back for the four month checkup being actually depressed, some of them. Wow. So we really should be keeping an eye out and thinking a bit more about how these, these injuries in younger patients may affect them psychologically. That The message is quite clear there. Mm. Now, in terms of future implications of the findings from, from your trial, what are those implications? What would you like to see happen next? Uh, besides being aware of bone health and uh, psychological well-being, I think the rehabilitation of this group is also challenging because we have done follow-up also with this interview study of, of 20 patients and, and they said, I got fooled by the physiotherapist because she said that I was doing so good. And now I found out that, that I could have done it even more. 
because the physiotherapist, they have, again, the 80-year-old lady as their standard. Um, so some thought that they had had too low demands on them from the rehab personnel. Others were too afraid. Uh, others did not have the, the mental capacity to, to, to do the proper rehabilitation and had the discipline to go on. Uh, many of them thought that uh, the hospital, the orthopedic ward, were no, not interested in how they should manage. And, and, and we actually do a lot of planning for these individuals, but they were not aware that the planning took place. We were talking over their heads. So patient involvement, individualized rehabilitation, and realistic goals. Thank you very much. Now, last question for yourself, for someone who's a trainee like myself and, mm -hmm. and learning, you know, how to manage patients with, um, who are younger with these injuries, do you have any tips or tricks or pearls of wisdom that you can pass on? Actually, the same things that I said earlier, see the whole individual, not just the opportunity to do some uh, neat surgery. Neat surgery, skilled surgery is always mandatory. And, and as a newcomer, don't be afraid to admit that some, uh, some uh, hip fractures are really difficult. You should always demand uh, mentoring and assistance if you, don't, if you can't reduce the fracture, for example. And, and there, if you should be cynical, it's even more important in the young patients because they are going to live with that hip for like maybe 70 years more. I don't think you should bother with open reduction and things like that and, and fancy extra mini plates on the, on the column of the, the hip. Do something that you are comfortable, comfortable with and ask for help. Thank you very much. And before we um, end the podcast, I do want to mention that um, Professor Rogmark was very kind before our uh, discussion uh, today to point me in the direction of a very interesting paper, which I would recommend our listeners do uh, seek out and, and have a read of because it does, it is a bit of a paradigm shifting um, uh, paper and it's called Stop Misclassifying Fractures as High or Low Trauma or as fragility fractures. And it was uh, published in Osteoporosis International in 2020 by Cummings and uh, Eastall. Um, and that was a very good read. And it, and it has broadened my horizons and certainly made me think a bit um, more about fractures, which I would normally have classified as high or low energy. And actually there's a lot more complexity to the situation. Um, so thank you very much for pointing me in, in the direction of that paper. Thank you. Is there, is there time for a very short story? Of course there is, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, regarding the trauma type, one of the women in the study having a horse accident, and it was said that she was thrown off a horse whilst riding. And I, I spoke with her and she, she, I said, it must have been quite a blow. Oh, well, she said, I just slide off the horse uh, and fell to the ground. Okay, but it was a big horse, I said. No, 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 it was quite a small pony. So it ended up like actually fall, falling from like a share. So, so we, can we can make a picture of the, how the trauma was, but the patient will tell us the truth. 
So always speak with our patients and listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much once again for joining us on the podcast. It was my pleasure and so nice to speak with you. And, and uh, I hope, I wish all the luck for the surgeons listening to treat the young patients with a hip fracture. Remember, it could be you the next time. <laughs> on that note, we'll end the podcast there. Thank you.